these issues are very, very complicated and, and we're working hard on them um, across the agricultural supply chain and with the beekeepers uh, and, and butterfly conservation groups. But we feel like we're making a really positive impact. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Keynotes. I'm your host, Marcus Chavez, Communications Director for the Keystone Policy Center. In 2007, Congress designated the third week in June as National Pollinator Week. That makes this week, June 21st through the 27th, National Pollinator Week. Pollinator Week has grown since that early designation into an international celebration, promoting the valuable ecosystem services provided by bees, birds, butterflies, bats, beetles, and other pollinators. So, naturally, I thought this would be a good week to talk about the impact Keystone Policy Center is having in two projects that are focused on supporting healthy pollinator populations and habitat. In this first episode of this two-part series, we're going to focus on a project Keystone leads to improve honeybee health. Honeybees support more than $20 billion in U.S. and Canadian agriculture annually. But as most know, a major decline in honeybee health has put agriculture, healthy lifestyles, and worldwide food security at risk. U.S. overwintering losses for managed honeybees from 2007 to 2011 ranged from approximately 28 to 33 percent. That is a startling increase when compared to a historical loss rate of just 10 to 15 percent. This decline in bee health has been linked to a variety of factors, including those influenced by the activities associated with both beekeeping and crop production. That is why Keystone brought together representatives of beekeepers, growers, researchers, government agencies, agribusinesses, conservation groups, manufacturers, and other key partners to form the Honeybee Health Coalition. Because action must be taken to support and increase honeybee health. Otherwise, the global food supply, healthy ecosystems, and the economy will be impacted. I'm sure we all have a picture of how pollination works, or at least I did growing up as a kid. You have farms, crops, fruit trees, wildflowers, and other plants requiring pollination in fields all across the world. And then there are the pollinators like butterflies and honeybees that live nearby that pollinate the plants to help them reproduce. But in modern agriculture, it might be more applicable to think of honeybees as livestock. Hives are trucked across this country from farm to farm to pollinate local crops, usually starting in January with almonds in the Central Valley of California. The commercial pollination cycle also ensures to include stops at crops and flowering landscapes that spur honey production. Then they overwinter at the end of the year, the time when the majority of colony loss occurs, and the cycle starts again. But recent years have seen a significant increase in overwintering loss and a decline in hive health. One thing to understand is that honeybees are not native to the United States, but they play this really important role in agriculture. And um, so as we think about them as a species, it's not that honeybees themselves are endangered in the U.S. Um, It's that it's becoming harder and harder for commercial beekeepers and other beekeepers to maintain their hives to replenish and, and create new hives after, um, after hives have failed. And the challenges facing bees include uh, pests and disease that you find inside the hive, like the varroa mite. They include poor nutrition, which um, is driven by a loss of flowers on the landscape primarily. And also they're threatened by pesticide exposure, whether it's an acute incident um, or uh, chronic losses or chronic exposures. So so there's a lot affecting bees and and the ability of bees and beekeepers to keep pollinating and supporting all the food we love to eat. 
That is Julie Shapiro, the Natural Resources Program Director for the Keystone Policy Center. She leads Keystone's facilitation of the Honeybee Health Coalition. Officially convened in 2014, the Honeybee Health Coalition works to improve honeybee hive management and nutrition, increase forage for bees, control crop pests while safeguarding pollinator health, and enhance public-private outreach, communication, and education. The Honeybee Health Coalition is striving to implement collaborative solutions to all of these challenges facing bee health while supporting productive agriculture systems and, and thriving ecosystems as well. And so we have a big tent of uh, members of the coalition that are coming together for that purpose. And that includes beekeepers, um, including uh, commercial beekeepers and also beekeepers of, of smaller scales as well. It includes um, farmers and, and grower associations. And those could be groups that represent pollinated crops like almonds, as well as non-pollinated crops like corn. We also work with uh, agribusinesses that provide inputs like seeds and chemicals to farmers, uh, and that also develop products and approaches to manage pests and disease and other bee health issues in the hive. And we work with NGOs that are focused on pollinator health, as well as just other conservation issues that intersect with pollinator health. And we also work with agencies that are responsible for everything from uh, inspecting hives and, and working with beekeepers on hive health to working with farmers, uh, to setting policies regarding pesticide use and to um, managing programs that support habitat and conservation practices. Matt Malika, a senior project director for Keystone, who also helps in the facilitation of the Honeybee Health Coalition, highlights the factors that account for the decline in bee health. Bees face a number of issues um, as they as they move around the country. Uh, one is that they are put into working croplands, and working croplands um, need pesticides in order to satisfy the demand of 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 the you know that U.S. consumers put on our food supply. The bees get exposed to pesticides, which which weakens them. Um, they they don't have uh, access to you know clean forage and nutrition, which is another weakening factor. And then they're exposed to a number of pests and disease that really ultimately kill them. And they're in when they're in a more weakened state. And so the most um, you know deadly pest is the varroa mite. These um, mites carry disease that will infect a whole hive. And, uh, and really are the, the, the death knell of, of honeybee colonies. Matt mentioned the varroa mite as the key pest of concern for honeybee colonies. The varroa mite, its scientific name being appropriately varroa destructor, is a parasite that lives on the outside of its host. The mite feeds on the brood and adults of western honeybees. When left untreated, colonies with high levels of varroa may die within months. To help beekeepers combat this pest, the Honeybee Health Coalition has developed resources for varroa management. One of the things that the Honeybee Health Coalition has really worked hard to do over time is to be a leader in providing tools and resources to beekeepers and farmers to help them support pollinator health. Uh, for beekeepers, we've worked in developing resources on varroa mite management, and that includes everything from written guides to decision support tools to videos. Um, and also we've worked with uh, beekeepers and other interests to develop other kinds of information on managing other kinds of pests and disease beyond varroa. 
these have been really well received. They're downloaded by thousands and thousands of beekeepers in all kinds of geographies, um, not just the United States, but also um, in Canada and other parts of the world. And um, we're continuing to work to develop out case studies and, and other information for folks who are looking to uh, have new ways to manage pests and disease in the hive, um, you know, innovative ways that are still on label. As Julie mentioned, chemical treatments are available for beekeepers for varroa management. However, a common practice among many beekeepers is relying exclusively on off-label, cheaper chemical treatments. Unfortunately, continuous exclusive reliance on these off-label products, with increasing dosages and frequency of use, causes them to become less effective and very likely cause them to lose effectiveness more quickly. The Honeybee Health Coalition published a new guide just this week to help commercial beekeepers evaluate a variety of varroa control methods that can be integrated into a management plan to protect their bees and their business. Mary Reed, the Chief Apiary Inspector for the Texas Apiary Inspection Service, helped work on the guide. So one of the projects that I've been working on is actually with the Honeybee Health Coalition, um, and that's the commercial beekeeper case studies that a small group of us have been working together on. Uh, I'm really excited about this um, program because we're highlighting commercial operations that are using various different management techniques to control for varroa. Uh, in their operations. And I think this work is really important because we can show other beekeepers within the industry how they can manage um, varroa mites at a large scale without relying on traditional chemical treatments. So I'm really looking forward to, to seeing the end result of that and sharing it with the rest of the world. The Honeybee Health Coalition also provides resources for farmers to implement best practices and minimize pesticide exposure for bees. Here's Julie to explain. For farmers, we've worked with um, a variety of interests to develop stewardship guides and best practices to help farmers understand how their practices interact and intersect with pollinator health and, and what they can do to help support pollinator health throughout the growing cycle, whether it's planting or harvesting or anything in between. So we've focused on how to manage uh, for pesticide exposure, how to plant habitat, and how just to collaborate with, with beekeepers and communicate on practices that you're implementing and, and how to you know, prevent or mitigate any um, impacts to bees. And then also ideally how to support bees uh, with positive practices like habitat planting. One initiative the Honeybee Health Coalition is involved in essentially puts into practice the tools, resources, and best practices developed by the Honeybee Health Coalition and other pollinator-focused organizations. The Bee Integrated Demonstration Project brings together beekeepers and landowners to show how an array of best management practices can be combined in agricultural landscapes to improve the health of honeybees and other pollinators. We also have worked with growers and beekeepers to try to highlight um, best practices in the field and, and to put those best practices in the field. The Bee Integrated Demonstration Project is one example of that. We piloted this in North Dakota, working with beekeeper and farmer pairs to plant habitat, follow pesticide best practices, and to manage varroa mites. Uh, and, and through this, we're trying to demonstrate that all of these factors affecting bee health um, are integrated. They, they interact with each other. And so while working on any one of them is good and important, working on all of those issues together as a system is really what's going to be needed to address bee health. Bob Sears of the Eastern Missouri Beekeepers Association explains more in a video that was produced about the Bee Integrated Demonstration Project, which is why you will hear some background music in this clip. 
Well, the idea is to pair a, a beekeeper and a farmer together and provide them technical support consultants in carrying out each of the three or four major categories of best practices that correspond to the principal causes of the decline in honeybee health. And those would be mitigating the impacts of pesticides, controlling varroa mites that spread the diseases that kill bees, providing better habitat to strengthen the bee's immune system, and then to share the outcome information with other beekeepers and farmers. The Honeybee Health Coalition has a unique focus on honeybee health. But like all farmers, beekeepers, agribusinesses, and other agricultural stakeholders involved in this work, the ultimate goal is to provide better health and habitat for all pollinators. The Honeybee Health Coalition does, as its name suggests, focus on honeybees, and that's part of what it makes it unique, along with its collaborative approach. But in addition to, to thinking about honeybees and how to support the unique needs of honeybees and beekeepers on the landscape, we're also thinking about the bigger concerns and issues for pollinators writ large. And one of the things that our coalition members really try to strive for is to find solutions that can work for bees, for honeybees, as well as for other pollinators. Um, and, you know, really take an approach that we need all hands on deck to, to support pollinators because of their importance to our, our natural ecosystems, but also our agricultural systems. As Julie mentioned, supporting pollinator health does take an all-hands-on-deck approach, from everyday citizens planting a pollinator garden to those who make their living within the agriculture industry. But there is no one-size-fits-all approach that works for every pollinator species. Sure, nectar-producing wildflowers are critical to sustain pollinator populations, but there is one pollinator that requires one specific plant for the species to survive, and it's perhaps the most iconic pollinator species of them all. On the next episode of Keynotes, we discuss the monarch butterfly. We work on getting the information out to farmers. So we kind of know what them, what we want them to do, which is plant milkweed and protect the, the monarch butterflies from incidental pesticide exposure. So we have Farmers for Monarchs, which provides them all of the information that they need to implement those practices and to put habitat on their lands. Keynotes is a production of the Keystone Policy Center, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based out of Keystone, Colorado which for more than 45 years has empowered leaders to reach common higher ground. This episode has been made possible by a contribution from the Denver Foundation. If you would like to offer feedback about the podcast or suggest topics for future episodes, please email me at mchavez at keystone.org. That's M-C-H-A-V-E-Z at keystone.org. If you would like to learn more about the Keystone Policy Center, visit our website at keystone.org. Mm-hmm.